Canterbury Cathedral in the county of Kent is one of the oldest Christian buildings in England. During the 10th century, a Benedictine abbey named Christ Church Priory was added to the cathedral, where the Benedictine monks who devoted their lives to God lived and worked. According to the English chronicler of the abbey known as Gervais of Canterbury, an hour after the sun had set on the 18th of June 1178, five monks were terrified when they experienced a heavenly phenomenon that scared the life out of them. The moon was a slim crescent when the monks, quote, saw the upper horn of the moon split into two. Furthermore, from the midpoint of the division, a flaming torch sprang up, spewing out over a considerable distance, fire, hot coals, and sparks. Meanwhile, the body of the moon which was below writhed, as it were in anxiety. And to put it in the words of those who reported it to me and saw it with their own eyes, the moon throbbed like a wounded snake. Afterwards, it resumed its proper state. The phenomenon was repeated a dozen times or more, the flame assuming various twisting shapes at random, and then returning to normal. Then, after these transformations, the moon, from horn to horn, that is along its whole length, took on a blackish appearance. It should be said that the monks in question were more than willing to take an oath to substantiate what they had seen. Gervais further reported, quote, they are prepared to stake their honour on an oath that they had made no addition or falsification in the above narrative. So what exactly was it that the monks saw that night in the sky? Could it have been the impact of an asteroid hitting the moon's surface, or a meteorite entering the Earth's atmosphere just at the right moment? Did the moon really split in half, or was it just a shared delusion? In this video, we shall talk more about this strange medieval mystery that has baffled historians and scientists alike for almost 850 years. Welcome to Medieval Madness. The Moon By the start of the Middle Ages, the medievals had several theories about the Moon. It was considered to be a planet like Mars, Mercury and Jupiter, and even the Sun, and it was believed that, just like these other planets, the Moon revolved around the Earth by following the route of a perfect circle. Medieval students of philosophy, medicine and theology across the world all looked to the heavens for their physical, mental and spiritual well-being, believing that the planets and the stars wielded a great power over the seasons and their daily lives. Hildegard of Bingen, the famous 12th century German abbess and philosopher, believed that the Moon affected a person's health. She advised that bloodletting should be done when the moon was on the wane, which is when it was moving towards a new moon. She also believed that the phases of the moon could govern the type of personality someone would have. She wrote that someone that was conceived on the fifth day after a new moon would be honourable, trustworthy, resolute and brave, as well as physically healthy and have a long life if they were a male. But if female, they would be truthful, but also be spiteful and argumentative, and although they would have some illnesses, they would also live a long life. For farmers, the phases of the moon were crucial for knowing when to plant seed. It was believed that a waning moon meant the water would be drawn deeper into the soil. When it was waxing or becoming full, then the water was being pulled up out of the earth. A Spanish agricultural paper from the 15th century declares that, quote, Melons, cucumbers, gourds, oats, sorghum, onions, and green beans can be sown in the waning moon. Cabbage, seed, and radishes in the old moon. Other medievals believed that the celestial body was responsible for a lot more besides. The English monk, the Venerable Bede, worked out that the ocean tides were dependent on the moon as early as the 8th century. 
Roger Bacon, a 13th century delicious sounding Franciscan friar and philosopher, grasped the fact that the moon caused the ocean tides, but he thought it was because the light from the moon raised vapours from the sea, and it was this that caused the water to move. The Man in the Moon Most of us have heard the expression Man in the Moon, and the origins of this date back to the Middle Ages. The earliest reference to the expression comes from the writings of Alexander Neckham, an English theologian and magnetician. In his book about natural history, written around 1190, he refers to the mark on the moon as the peasant who carries thorns. This alludes to the medieval stories of the man in the moon being a peasant who was caught stealing thorns to build a hedge, so he was exiled to the moon carrying the bundle of sticks on his back. Another tale from the Middle Ages states that the man in the moon is actually Cain who was exiled there for the murder of his brother Abel. A medieval legend from Germany claims that there are two people residing on our nearest satellite, a man and a woman. The woman is there because she broke God's law and made butter on a Sunday, the man because he put thorns on the footpath to the church which prevented anyone from attending mass. Equally devilish activities. The man was made to carry the thorns on his back and the woman supposedly carries a butter tub. Another German tale claims that it was Christmas Eve when a man stole the cabbages from his neighbour's garden, but he was spotted by the people and invoked up into the skies. He can be seen on every full moon carrying his pile of cabbages. Meteorites Could the spectacle observed by the monks have been a meteorite entering into the Earth's atmosphere at just the right place and time? Somewhere between the moon and where the monks were standing? The sighting does coincide with the torrid meteor showers which happen annually in June and July, as well as later in the year. In 2013, during the Southern Torrid Meteor Shower, fireballs were spotted in the skies over Nevada, Utah and California. And in 2005, whilst testing a new telescope, NASA recorded a flash of light from a lunar impact event likely occurring during a meteor storm. Modern day astronomers have theorised that there would be an expulsion of molten material from this sort of impact, which would be consistent with the story told by monks all those centuries ago. Other theories have also been offered as to what could have occurred. The Crater Theory The moon is often hit by meteorites of all sizes, and these can cause craters on its surface depending on their size. One of these craters is named after the 16th century astronomer Giordano Bruno, a man who was known for his controversial theories such as the sun actually being the centre of the universe, rather than the earth, and the denial of other Catholic doctrines. Bruno was tried for heresy by the Roman Inquisition and was hung upside down, naked, before being burned at the stake for his beliefs. The Giordano Bruno crater is very large at over 13.5 miles or 22 kilometres across. It is also the moon's youngest crater of that size. It's quite possible that its creation could have coincided with the sighting by the monks in 1178. A geophysicist named Jack B. Hartung from the University of New York stated that he believed this to be the case in 1976. He thinks that either an asteroid or a meteorite of about two miles across hit the moon in the late 12th century, causing the formation of that particular lunar crater. The impact would have resulted in huge amounts of molten dust being thrown up, obscuring part of the moon. This would have given the impression that the moon had been split in two. Hartung believes that this happened close to the right edge of the celestial body, and this corresponds with the location of Crater Bruno. The moon would have also been shrouded in a cloud of gases released from the explosive impact, causing the light from the surface to distort. This could be the writhing and throbbing like a wounded snake that the monks described. Propaganda 
Sadly, there are flaws in Harting's theory. The date in question, which was 18th of June 1178, being the first because the moon wasn't visible in Canterbury on that date. But maybe the date of the event had just been recorded wrongly. It is also possible that Gervais, as a monk and part of a highly religious Catholic order, would have had a vested interest in the success of the Crusades of the Holy Land. There was a zeal for Western Christians to prove theirs was the only true religion, and recover Jerusalem from Islamic rule during the later Middle Ages. In the 1170s, the Muslim military leader Saladin had become Sultan of Egypt and Syria, and was likely to expand his territory. So it may be possible that Gervais made the whole story up as a propaganda tool to symbolise the victory of the Crusaders against who they had referred to as the Infidel. According to Peter Nichols, an astronomy historian, this was something that Gervais had a habit of doing, relating unexpected cosmic events to Christian triumphs in the Crusades. It's been said that an impact as great as that described by the monks would have initiated a blizzard-like meteor storm that would have lasted for up to a week. There are no contemporary chronicles that describe such a storm across astronomical records from China, Japan, Korea, Europe, and the Arab world. It could be more likely that a freak set of circumstances occurred as the monks were in the right place at the right time, directly in front of the moon when an exploding meteorite aligned with it and travelled straight at them. This could explain why the incident was only experienced at that one particular place on Earth. It is interesting that although the monks spoke about snakes and horns, they didn't associate what they saw with any Bible passages or embellish their story with wilder claims. But it is possible that Gervais of Canterbury only wrote about what the monks had seen, rather than what they had thought it meant or how it made them feel. It is true that astrology and astronomy permeated everyday medieval life, from medicine to religion, agriculture to psychology but we will probably never know what it was that those five monks saw on that June evening at Canterbury in 1178. Thank you for watching this episode of Medieval Madness. Please do subscribe if you enjoy it as we do put out a new video every Friday. Cheers!